0: All right, happy Thursday morning. Jeffrey Andreas in for the vacationing. Howie Reimer, The Time, 844. Now the story everyone has been talking about this week is that interview that Oprah did with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. To talk a little bit more about the fallout from that interview, pleased to welcome to the program now TRU lawyer and political observer, Dr. Jeffrey Myers. Dr. Myers, how are you here this morning? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much uh, for the time. It's been a while since you and I have had a chat. So happy that uh, Howie took some time off so I can uh, get a chance to pick your brain here. Um, yeah. I think the big thing everyone is talking about around the world right now feels like that interview uh, with the monarchy and Oprah Winfrey there. Um, I guess just initial thoughts on, on everything that you're hearing right now. Of course, I think the big um, piece of commentary that everyone's pointing out is is that you know the monarchy has... Some racism within it. Not really a surprise, but yet everyone seems to be baffled by this. You know, just first and foremost, let's start there. I mean, no surprise, really. Some of the comments we're seeing come from the British monarchy. Is there?
1: Well, I mean, it's the British monarchy is a, is a is an imperial. Um, you know royal family descended by you know from kind of a, a, a line a bloodline it's an ancient kind of thing and it's of course steeped in colonialism imperialism and you know the imagining of european whiteness as uh, supreme and of course the modern remaking of uh, you know british history is such that you know, it's always emphasized that Britain, for example, um, you know, made slavery illegal and ended its association with slavery before the United States did. Therefore, a hallmark that the British Empire was, in fact, not so bad after all. But that's a totally revisionist history. The British Empire was, uh, you know, uh, you know, responsible for some of the worst, you know, dimensions of colonialism. You know, that continue to affect planet Earth, right? And today the Commonwealth, which is the lasting institution which Canada is a part of, which is this extension of countries that were previously part of the British Empire, is primarily made up of brown and black people. Um, So this is not going to fall well with them.
0: Where, where does this go, I guess, from here? I mean, obviously the, the queen herself has put out a statement and, you know, it doesn't really say a whole heck of a lot, just saying that they're kind of sad that there is this tension that exists right now between uh, herself, uh, you know, her immediate family, as well as, of course, Harry and Meghan here in this specific case. Uh, where do you see this going from here? Is there... Uh repairable ties that can be had? Doesn't well, matter. to me,
1: this is where I put on my constitutional law professor hat, and I sort of say, okay, well, this is something I've thought about a lot, right? And this is where I really get into it with my students, right? Because, you know, if you were a space alien and you landed on planet Earth and you happened to be in Canada, and the first thing that you did was take a look at the Canadian Constitution... You would look at it and you'd say, "Who's this? Who's the crown? Who's this? What's the? What's who's this? Who's this crown? Who's the monarch?" They're clearly in charge of Canada, and we all know as Canadians, and that that is not the case. Nevertheless, the way in which the crown's apparatus kind of gives legality to the Canadian um, state. Um, and the way in which, you know, that operates through the governor general at the level of the federal government and then at the lieutenant governors through the level of the provincial government and the way ministers function as minister of crowns. Of course, the courts have even said when people challenge, for example, having to take the oath that swears allegiance to the, key, to the queen to become a citizen or claiming that the, the 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 symbolism of the crown was you know um contrary to their religious or um personal you know beliefs about um you know uh, or values right the crown it's just a symbol right because and they have to insist even the courts have insisted it's just a symbol and it's a symbol of democracy because if you want to actually remove the crown for example in a country like canada and many other commonwealth countries and cease to be so-called constitutional democracy linked to the british crown you would have to engage in massive constitutional, um, you know, revision and amendment. Right, which is, as most Canadians will know, and of course my law students will know, is, is is governed by Part 5 of the Constitution and involves either very high degrees of agreement or even in some cases, all agreement among all the provinces, probably in the case of, um, you know, removing the monarchy from the Canadian legal system and removing the Queen as head of state. So it's, it's a big question. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. I also don't think there's public support for it, nor has there been in this country. There's been some in Australia and there's been two unsuccessful referendums on it. Again, in the context of 2020, and I think, in the context of the Commonwealth more broadly, which one should not forget, it's just not it's not the white settler states only in there. Australia, Canada, New Zealand. It's also the large parts of Africa and other parts of the world. Um, those parts of the world, they don't have to remain in the Commonwealth. They don't have to retain the Queen as their head of state. They don't have to have Governor Generals. They don't have to have Lieutenant Governors. If any officials in the in the palace are talking in this way, they, but again, I don't think anybody's really going to be surprised by this. And I, you know, I think that what probably the royal family wants to do is avoid becoming you know having their pictures on the placards held up by proud boys at their next demonstration because they obviously don't want to be associated with that but the legacy uh, that they're descended from the ultimate symbolism i think is you know we're at our peril if we pretend it doesn't mean anything or we can just carry on as if you know um the, the the past doesn't matter or that these symbols aren't divisive for some and you know obviously the Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, interview and the defection of the handsome young prince and his, you know, American wife is a big media story. Um, and it connects back to everybody's memories of, you know, the the Diana debacle and all that. Right. But even deeper than that, of course, for some people, the queen is so significant because for the older generation, you know, during the Blitz in the, in, in the Second World War, she stood steadfast and was a symbol of, you know, courage and determination. But that, that was a long time ago, and the royal family since then I don't think has convinced, uh, uh, you know, other than a small sort of cadre of royal watchers or sentimentalists, that they have some value. Um, in terms of solving the world's problems or, you know, bringing people together. Uh, and that is because they're a hereditary monarchy that's given to an exclusive upper crust family in a, in, in, in a European country. Um, you know, it's just not, it just doesn't particularly fly, I think, in terms of legitimacy. And when you see this kind of thing, you know, people are going to react.
0: Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau, was asked, um, you know, about this whole situation as well, and if it was, you know, maybe time for Canada to kind of move on from the monarchy. Noting, and mm-hmm. he came out and said, you know, it's just not that simple to go about doing no. that. No, um, yeah. I guess how complex is that process? I mean, if it's it very complex.
1: Be- like I've said, the whole point of what I'm just saying yeah. here is, is like, is admittedly complex, right? So, yeah. it's not
0: easy. You would have to
1: amend the constitution significantly. Okay. In okay. fact, you would have to have unanimity. Okay, under part five of the constitution I think uh, to do this. Oh okay. So you would need to have you would need to have every province and, and parliament, you know, agree to do this. And so the underlying it there'd be a strong convention, I think, that you'd have national referendums. Um, and that those referendums would direct then the provinces and the individual countries to vote in keeping with there's no specific cl- uh, playbook, but it would probably look a bit like Charlottetown in that regard. the Charlotte, the old Charlottetown Accords. Like, you're getting I'll geek out on this because this is my own research right <laughs> But that, that's what it would look like. It would look like it would look like a kind of um, a kind of national consensus, which was built probably from popular referendums and then definitively through um, majorities in all of the provinces. Uh, It would be very complex. It would take up national life and attention for some time, and most Um, Canadian politicians, and probably I would venture to say most lawyers and policymakers would say it would be too much of a distraction, not worth the time. I would be in the minority to say actually Canada's final step towards total independence actually would require that move and that sometime in the future, whether it's 10, 20, 40, 50, 100 years, we'll do it um but it's just a matter of eventually the country will have to set itself to i don't think the will is there right now and i don't think this is going to be sufficient to do it but that's the future you know the future a 100 years from now america won't have a second amendment it'll be amended out of existence and canada will no longer have a hereditary monarchy linked to the United Kingdom. So you can open that time capsule in 100 years. I'll probably be dead, yeah. but I'm fairly certain I'll be right about that.
0: Um, but it wouldn't change her mind, eh, if we had someone else who was at the helm outside of Elizabeth who maybe was a little bit more uh, appealing. I don't know if that's the right word, but...
1: She's the only thing holding it together because there's this memory, right, of her as this kind of dignified... Force in the in the context for in the very, again for the for a generation which is rapidly aging and frankly is you know is not long you know um, but that she was standing amidst the rubble right hanging tough along with Winston Churchill during the Blitz you know and it, what that was is it was a relentless wave of um, attacks on the population of you know especially London but all over England by these horrific bombs. Coming from Nazi Germany in a desperate attempt to somehow subdue England and win the war, it just got worse and worse. And what the British people endured during that time, and it was one of the early times in the media where there was some understanding through newspaper reporting and radio of what was happening was horrific. And she was there. She stood in there with the people. And that was, you know, that got her a lot of, that, that allowed that hereditary monarchy to pivot right. into decolonization while still retaining its, its some kind of luster of its past empire and into a kind of relevant role for the commonwealth i suppose and for countries like canada in the imagining particularly of white canadians you know i guess or european canadians i shouldn't say that but uh and you know again most people have benign feelings about the monarchy or they're put off by the prospect of what would be involved in in sort of reforming ourselves in you know away from monarchy and what 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 things would look like differently. But, you know, in the 20th century, you know, Pierre Trudeau Sr. Uh, brought in a, a progressive Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and that reshaped our country in many ways. You know, generations before, we adopted a new flag. We dropped that we became a full-fledged country, no longer part of the Dominion. And the, the final step will be, frankly, when we become a republic. But that is just not what most Canadians believe. And I know I'm, I'm not in the majority on that viewpoint, but but that is my viewpoint.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate all of that. And, you know, I've never really been a big supporter or really understood why we even have uh, any uh, connection to the monarchy well i understand why we have the connection but you know just at this stage of of canada as a standalone country i've never really been a understander of, of why we need to have that connection um all right i did want to switch gears here a little bit with you dr myers and just talk a little bit about what's going on in the united states here this week they're looking to pass that 1.9 trillion dollar COVID 19 relief bill um I guess the one thing that as I've been seeing a lot talked about is the the concept of increasing minimum wage there to $15 mm-hmm. an hour. And there's mm-hmm. just an unwillingness to do that by government at this stage of the game. Uh, there's a number of other things in there that are important in the support bill. But that's yeah. the one thing that really stands out to me is why the heck would they not move forward with this? And I almost find it offensive that you know mm. it, the lack of consideration it does seem to be getting on both sides, right? It's oh. Republican mm. and Democrat
1: yes okay good question actually yes so basically this is an, a huge omnibus bill and it's going to be the signature um legislative achievement of the biden administration and it's happening early on and just like kind of in fact in pre, it's pretty robust in many ways but there's big one big loss in there which you've identified and that was moving the minimum wage up from 750 or 725 or whatever paltry amount it is now it hasn't been moved up in some time to 15 an hour okay and that could not the the What's called the the House parliamentarian, which is basically an expert um, lawyer, and in in process, said basically, okay, you can do this whole bill by way of a process called reconciliation, and, and reconciliation is a, a process where you can just do it by brute majority in the Senate. You don't, you it's sort of what you call you don't you have this what's called the filibuster, which kind of right. retards a lot of uh, legislation. And in this case, they said you you can't do the minimum wage this way. So you can get the rest of the package through, which involved a lot of p- relief, a lot of um, economic. Economic stimulus, um, but does not involve this key thing. And the Biden administration says, you know, we're going to get this done elsewhere. But we didn't win. We didn't. We weren't able to do this here because of the opinion of the um, House parliamentarian. So that's that's what happened there. That's why the, um, you know, that's why it's out. So it's it's certainly a loss for working class people is a big thing. But I don't. I, and I and I definitely think it's you know hugely important. And and but I but there's no, I don't know what you do when the House parliamentarian tells you cannot do this. Okay. It's against the rules. The rest of the package though it is significant. It's not just a minor thing. It it does a lot to um, to send immediate relief to the American people and to stimulate the economy in a way that the Trump administration wasn't willing to do. And you know what all. All of this is reflective of is a kind of you've got Janet Yellen now. At the Fed, you know, it's increasingly, you know, where you have, um, or sorry, she's in, at the, at the Treasury where she has that experience from the Fed, but it's increasingly this understanding that you don't have to fear constant inflation. You're not gonna, f- this idea that you're gonna get massive inflation if you spend and that deficit spending is, is a total bogeyman and America's going bankrupt and all this, this, this kind of doxa, this kind of orthodoxy. The problem is Republicans always talked about it, but then they totally ignored it anyway, but then it turns out actually, you know, economists increasingly don't you know buy into that. The truth is, is that you can spend to stimulate, them. and inflation is not really the biggest economic problem right now.
0: You know, mm-hmm. do you think so. this bill is is important for us here in Canada? Like, to see all these uh, supports put out there for the American people, do you think that's important for us here on this side of the border as well? Well,
1: I think it should be important for those of like myself and other you know voters and Canadians who are kind of progressive and on the left to say, okay, it looks like this centrist Joe Biden and the kind of um, even these centrist senators it, can, with some progressive in Congress, get much more progressive types of legislation done than we're seeing, you know, in our own country. So the idea that, you know, America is sort of backwards and, not, and we're, real, we're real progressives. The Joe Biden administration all, at this stage, and it's not particularly radical or anything like that, but just by decisively taking certain steps against things like climate change and, against, um, and toward, um, you know, stabilizing economic inequality is, is doing more than our government is.
0: Uh, Dr. Myers, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up how much time we have here. I really appreciate this. Lots to go over there, but uh, thank you so much for the time as always. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon, or I guess you'll be back with Howie next week. So thanks for doing Well,
1: really, really know. good open questions. I really appreciated the opportunity to go so broadly on those, but those are, those are exactly the things that we need to be thinking about. So thanks so much for the interview.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There is TRU lawyer and political observer Dr. Jeffrey Myers.